What's up, guys? Here with you, FC Wonder Kid, episode 126. Here with my guy, Brenton. How are you? I am amazing. I mean, episode 126, it's amazing we've made it this long here. But at the same time, it's, it's amazing we made it through a ridiculously action-packed week of football where, let's see, Olivier Giroud is the most talked about goalkeeper on the planet. <laughs> We've got, uh, mm, I don't know, Americans doing wonderful things, which makes my heart very happy and we'll talk about later. We've got Arsenal finally beating Manchester City, which we'll talk about in extent uh, very shortly. And on top of that, on top of that, we all we now have to head into an international break for two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. There's so much to talk about. We're going to talk about Spurs. We're going to talk about uh, all the unbeaten teams in the Eredivisie. Alex, I don't think we have enough time, but we're going to make enough time because <laughs> this is amazing stuff that we need to get to. But how are you? I'm doing really well, and you said it. Arsenal, Man Good. City, it's delivered. And don't forget to comment <laughs> in episode 126 topics you want to see and react to everything we're talking about like our like Brenton mentioned with Arsenal with La Liga with uh, European football everything okay we'll answer every comment on YouTube down below but yes Arsenal beat Man City Arteta has finally broke the 12 game winless streak against Man City and Arteta breaks it and it's the first time in five years that Man City suffer back to back losses in the Premier League. Okay, so Arsenal are doing not the impossible, what is feasible after that Community Shield win too. This is giving yep. hope to that team and a team that didn't have Bukayo Saka. Bukayo Saka nope. didn't start against Man City and that just shows the results, the unity, and even that Bukayo Saka didn't start against Arsenal. Martinelli came on the second half, and they still mm -hmm. beat Man City at home. That shows great commitment and great results from our team that is playing Arteta ball. And my biggest highlight is yeah. William mm -hmm. Saliba is one of the best center backs in the world. Master class yeah. against Man City. A hundred percent of his duels were won. Were won. And his passes, the accuracy, he gives guarantees and safety to that defense. World-class yep. centre-back. And, and I'll, I'll expand that, Alex. I, I mean, Declan Rice, I think, won the midfield uh, for the most part for Arsenal. As good as I thought Rico Lewis and, and Kovacic was dangerously close to a red, I, they did what they could. Should have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably probably should have been. I mean, they were both uh, open-footed or what, what do you call it, you know, studs-up tackles. But when it comes down to it, they did the job for the majority of the game uh, because that was the biggest worry for Manchester, United, or Manchester City fans heading into this, which was the suspension of Rodri, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought they did fairly well, but I still thought I'm going to expand it beyond Saliba. I thought it was Declan Rice. I thought it was Saliba. I thought it was uh, Gabriel. And, you know, hell, Ben White had a hell of a game, too. Uh, Tomoyasu, I'll, I'll throw him. Um, Zinchenko and Tomoyasu, fine. Uh, but no, that center back duo and that spine with Declan Rice, I thought did very, very well. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, mm. I, where was Erling Holland? Yes, where was Erling Haaland? Good, <laughs> very good point. And I think Julian Alvarez still showed more threats in that game than Erling Haaland. And Erling Haaland in yep. his last four games, zero 
goals suffered. And it's worrying times without Rodri, without Kevin De Bruyne. But Man City are still yeah. favorites to win the Premier League, people. Despite yes. this loss. When it comes to February, March, they're locked in. Champions League mode or champion. Champions mode is locked in in their minds. And Arsenal oh. have beaten Man City. Their first win against this team in the Premier League since 2015. Dean. And this happens too with wow. a player like Martin Odgaard that adds so much quality, control of the game, technique is unreal, and he's a pure maestro. One of the best players I've seen for Arsenal this last decade. It's because of a player like yeah. him that they beat Man City. That they beat Man City. Great results. And this is... We're living a new time, you were saying. An alternative yeah. reality in this sense. Arsenal are unbeaten. Tottenham are unbeaten. Man City are back-to-back -back losses in the Premier League. It's looking so interesting. A London Get team it. could win the Premier League. And if that happens, yeah. it's absolutely bonkers. With Arsenal being favorites to of the London teams. Man City's favorites still in the Premier and to piggyback on uh, on your video release uh, earlier this week, I believe Arteta has finally completed his bingo card, right? 24. He has finally, finally got it done, right? Beaten Manchester City in a competitive Premier League game. Community Shield does not necessarily count, but uh, he completes it, and that's a big deal. Is it a monkey off his back? Or, you know, is Arsenal going to just fly on from here and become a more dominant team in some respects? Um, I, I, I you know, those questions still are unanswered because let, let's be Sorry. honest. I mean, this was a, a far more defensive affair um, than I think probably either of us were expecting. Right. I thought it'd be a whole lot more open than this. Mm. No, I look, I, 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 I don't I, I don't understand that point, being honest, no? <laughs> because imagine well, I think like Arsenal came reluctant without Saka. OK, sure. and Man City came reluctant without Rodri and De exactly. That's what I, I'm saying. I, I was yeah. more surprised that when Arsenal scored, there was no reaction from yeah. Man City. That's what I was surprised. OK, because you would uh, expect it, a reaction from a team that suffers the goal. So I think Arsenal controlled yeah, no. the game well, in my point of view. Right. Well, no, I think we just said the same thing in different ways. Yeah. Um, I thought it, I, I agree. Both sides were definitely far more conservative because they were both missing pretty big uh, exclusions, if you will, uh, from this match. And, and I think it was probably, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the 12th man was huge in this one. Um, it, Odegaard getting them fired up. Uh, it was great to see the the shrewd signing from Ituano, uh, Martinelli actually getting the goal. And, uh, you know, we got to be careful with this, just like anything else we bring up with episode 126, because we're going to say some pretty crazy things to go with that alternative reality vibe um, from here on out. But it is still early stages. And, you know, the, the, the double front or triple fronts that uh, some of these teams have to make will take their toll. Uh, as the season goes on. But you know what, Arsenal fans? Three points. You can savor it. Uh, and and you, I think you got to get ready for what? Chelsea next? Is that who it is it's, coming down the pike? It's Chelsea next, next weekend. Yes, it's going to be a Chelsea Arsenal. That's an interesting one. Go. And I just want to say with the Kovacic challenge, I think the Kovacic challenge was wrongly judged. I think it was a red card, especially if mm. you consider the Curtis Jones 
couple of weeks back, he got that red card, right? Last week. So from a challenge yeah. that is quite similar. But rest assured, put down below, people, your comments, and we will answer them, okay, down below in the podcast on YouTube. Thank you for listening until now. And next topic is, you said, we said Arsenal are unbeaten. <laughs> but right now, the <laughs> leaders of the Premier League are Tottenham. Unbeaten, six <laughs> games, two draws. They faced Arsenal already. And both teams are looking magnificent i gotta give a shout out yep. to mickey van de ven vicario <laughs> udogi the defense of tottenham is elite pedro Porro didn't get called up for spain that is ball uh, bollocks it's crazy that that yeah, has happened like but udogi did okay first call up yep. for the azuri for destiny udogi completely deserves that to happen i gotta say tottenham, yeah, but unreal with 10 man still yeah beat Luton. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and it, it is uh, officially the best start ever, mm. ever in Spurs history, okay? So Ange Postagoglu has got it done, has got it going. We'll see what happens when they get punched in the gut or punched in the mouth. But, you know, they won versus Luton Town. They got it done. Mickey Van de Ven did it on both sides of the ball, right? Scoring the goal and uh, also playing very, very solid defense. But listen, mm-hmm. I, I still think – and I. I it, it's. I don't even think it is uh, controversial to say, mm. but James Madison is the best signing of the season, the Premier League offseason so far. There is no doubt in my mind, okay? Two goals, five assists. Um, uh, they were down a man, and Madison is the one that did that touchline, nice little you know fireworks, uh, and then centered it back uh, to get that goal. It's right? between him um, and James Ward-Prowse. It, it is, it is, but because Spurs are higher in the table, I'm going to give it to Madison because on top of that, listen, he's only behind Mo Salah mm-hmm. and Erling Holland in goal involvements in the Premier League at the moment, and he played for a relegated squad last season. You can make the argument Leicester City is, you know, good enough not to get relegated. Even right now, they are top of the championship table, mm-hmm. but he's also top of the Premier League in chances created. Um, and so. we know he's got a little bit of an injury history, but for right now, Give it up because James Madison is the soul. He is the soul of this Spurs team next to Son. Next ah. to Son. And it, it is wonderful. It is just great, great, great to see. Um, and I, I just, and I agree with you. I, I'm going to say a really close second is James Ward Prowse, but Big Ange has them feeling something different. They always felt like they were going to get it done. Even a man down, you could feel that Spurs were going to find a way. And, and they did. They, this, in the end, did. But Kuti Romero and Van de Ven. Okay, are are we in agreement that maybe by the end of this season, um, they could wind up being top two? I don't want to put them in front of Diaz and, and uh, you know Diaz and any yeah Gavardial or whoever's back there. I don't want to put them in front of that City center back duo. I think they're going to be fighting for top three center back partnership in the Premier League. But right now, Kuti Romero, I, I have to agree, is one of the best center defenders on the planet. I say Kuti Romero, Saliba, Ruben Dias. I think they're in the top mm-hmm. five, and they're all in the Premier League uh, defenders in the world. I think those three are solid in that talk. I think Jules Conde and Ronald Araujo, right now in form. Conde, Conde. definitely. Conde, Jules Conde for me, Bretson. Right well. now, he's yeah. so informed for Barca. Like Barca didn't suffer against Porto because of a Conde tackle on Pepe. That was really close, <laughs> unreal form by him, and I think he's the best centre back 
for Barca this season. But yeah, it's interesting while wow, you're mentioning both. Because yes, Mickey, De- Mickey van de Ven's bowling, but Romero with that experience, he's bowling out too. And you, like, mm. Tottenham are having their best start ever with Harry Kane leaving, <laughs> their biggest legend ever. And Captain Son, prime Son is going to be this season without Harry Kane. I completely believe mm. he's going to embrace the responsibility and have an historic season. You can feel it. And he extended with Tottenham. He made the decision yep. and the commitment to stay at this club. So Hyung Ming Son, when he leaves Tottenham one day, that I don't know, he might be a not one one club only because he was previously at Leverkusen in Hamburg. But in the Premier yep. League, Son could might just represent Tottenham. And that deserves respect. Yeah. Like some players with in, in Son's position would have gone to a Man City, would have gone maybe to a Real. Son, had, Son mm-hmm. said no. I believe in this project. I love this city. I love this club. And I want to be a legend. And I respect Son for yeah. that. I respect Son for that. Yeah. You were the man who would say every season, 20 goals from Son. <laughs> and it, it was only last season he did it. He didn't do it. 20 uh, goal involvements. Exactly. <laughs> the, but, but the, moment, <laughs> the moment I brought attention to it, Alex. The moment I brought attention to it, he doesn't do it. Oh, and Spurs right. has that tough season. But you're you're absolutely right. It just feels like something's different. Um, and, and, you know, the... the Spurs faithful, the the stadium just being it, it really now feels uh for the most part like they have made their and I know they played at Luton Town. What is mm-hmm. it? Kenilworth Road, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, when they're at Spurs Stadium, I mean it really does feel um like they're home again. I'm not going to say it's like White Hart Lane. Um you know with that intimacy and you're like right on top of the field, uh, one of the very few ones that I was at before it is no longer. Um but my goodness that have they kind of moved into that upper echelon of being a, a absolute juggernaut commercially mm-hmm. um as well as seems like uh, being a team that that people that are fair weather Premier League fans can actually get behind mm-hmm. moving forward in spite and I, I do want to say this because we say it a lot with other teams, in spite of what is deemed relatively ineffective, um, and that's probably putting it nicely, ownership, mm-hmm. right, in Daniel Levy. So, uh, you know, you got to give it to him whether or not this lasts, who the heck knows, because they, I think oh. they were first, uh, you know, first in the table in August 2022 when the season flipping started. But when it comes down to it, um, you know, Spurs has got a, a team that that is actually fun to watch. I'm enjoying watching Spurs games, um, which, this you know, is, it's been a, I think it's been in, a little while. in my life, I think this is one of the best Spurs team I've ever seen in my life. I remember an era with Bale. Bale would always be a threat every game, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, but no, yeah. right now, I think Modric, Pochettino. Modric, Modric yes, yeah. but he didn't have this level of a team. <laughs> no. I'd say maybe. No, I agree. But Pochettino him, with no. that Champions League final too, having like a Lucas Moura. Look, there's been special teams mm-hmm. in the last decade. And for a Spurs fan, these last two decades with Daniel Levy, we do... I do. I do. I'll be honest. I'll get I'll I'll say it. I do not hate, but I do have harsh words a lot with Daniel Levy because sometimes I do feel like things should be done differently. And but this decision of Ange Postecoglou, I can only give praise the decision of maybe Harry Kane coming back and having that 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 <laughs> that clause that nobody knew until that that interview he did shortly. I think look, let's see. Let's wait and see. But let us know your thoughts about Tottenham down below, okay? Can Tottenham uh, remain in this top three? Let us know. But we're talking here about London teams, Arsenal, Tottenham. Mm-hmm. 4-1 Chelsea win. 
4-1 yeah. Chelsea win. Chelsea are back, people. No, I'm not going to go crazy on it. But what I got to go crazy, nah. y'all, Chelsea is finally starting Cole Palmer. Enzo Caicedo with Cole Palmer in front of them is just looking much better. Connor Gallagher, Absolutely. captain. Okay, I'm not going to say he's the best player for that position because he ain't. And Cuckoo come back fast. But Cole Palmer being there, it shows good signs and a better team and creativity-wise. Cole Palmer being there improves Sterling, improves Enzo, improves a striker like Broja or Nico Jackson. So Cole Palmer is a must-start for Chelsea. One goal and one assist against Burnley, and no surprise that he's balling out if you know the talent. <laughs> yeah, and, and and to just put you know straight statistics next to his name, three straight starts for Cole Palmer, mm. three straight wins. I'm pretty sure that's not... You know, it's not a coincidence per se. I mean, he's he's direct. Uh, he's exactly what you you want to be, and you saw it in his uh, in his cameo appearance and his sub appearances previously. That he was the one that would go straight for the jugular, and you have to go for the jugular against a team like Burnley. Um, and, and you know, uh, we should probably say all the promoted teams are having a tough start to life um, in the Premier League, but Burnley. Um, oof. Vincent Company um, getting beaten up in his first season in the Premier League. But listen, it go. There's a lot of elephants off the back or elephants out of the room, ushered out of the room for Chelsea. Um, they have led a lot of their games, if not all of their games in the Premier League, by XG. Their analytics. They have created chances. Their biggest issue was what putting them away. Right. Nicholas Jackson has nine big chances missed. Um, who I think is either only behind or, or is tied with Erling Holland in the Premier League, but still, those are chances mm -hmm. created. There's still big chances that just need that tap home. And guess what? Not only did you have Mikhailo Mudrik score his first goal, you also had Nicholas Jackson get on the scoreboard again. You also had uh, Pochettino starting to get a little bit smarter with his setup, mm -hmm. um, putting Cole Palmer in there from the get-go. And yeah, these are teams that Chelsea should beat, but when it comes down to it, you still got to go out and beat them, and that's exactly what has happened. So the win against Fulham, I think I was more impressed with, um, but this win against Burnley was one of the ones where you could see maybe they're starting to gel. Um, and you're right. if uh, That was the first time I think we looked at the Caicedo-Enzo um, partnership. Uh, maybe we wouldn't call it that just yet, but them being on the same field together <laughs> and said, wow, this is a very, very big net positive for the team, and I am here for it as long as it may continue um uh, it, it was good it was good to see you can call but it listen, partnership Ar already enzo and Kaished. okay i think so okay arsenal's next though so that's going to be a big 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 test mm -hmm. I, and Rook, i think so i think it's a big oh, yeah <laughs> obviously it's a big test completely but i, I start to see good signs with enzo and Kaished, though. it's not just how yeah. they're playing on the field but how they see each other i see i like, if you see the moment where there's, like, a goal celebration between them two that they immediately go and hug each other, there's kind of a, like, yeah. we're here for each other. And that's what Enzo and Caicedo need to feel. And there's a responsibility, a sense of Chelsea is bigger than anything we've been a part. We're a part of a big sure. team. We're starting in a lineup that of a team that's supposed to, supposed to be in the Champions League. We got to deliver. And that's the sort of feeling I'm starting to get. Even a Sterling. Okay. Even a player like mm -hmm. Sterling. That Sterling must be one of the most well-paid players of the Chelsea team. So no surprise. He's yep. doing what he's got to do. He's scoring goals. He's being a constant threat. And he's being one of the best players on the pitch. He has to do exactly it. that. So what my mm -hmm. point of view is, good signs. So now is momentum. 
even if they lose against Arsenal, I still believe it, that they can have momentum because there's no European competitions. And that can be something that they can work hard towards. Because more prep time, more time with each other, less time to travel, they can they can improve a lot this season with fundamentals. But yes, people, yeah. let us know down below what are you thinking about Chelsea and now with United. United is this win, the boost win <laughs> that's going to change everything. What I got to say is Scott McTominay is the first player in Man United history to score two goals in stoppage time. Two key goals yeah. that got Man United a win. So, f like, one thing I got to say with McTominay, he's got passion towards Man United. He plays with his heart on his sleeve, and that's what you need. Even if he's on Absolutely. the bench, a player like McTominay mm -hmm. adds value. Just like I see like Phil Jones now coaching the the academy players, I wouldn't be surprised if one day okay. McTominay had those aspirations too. And you got to love that. But please give Garnacho more time. Rashford is not enough. Rasmus Winterhoyland, more time. But definitely Garnacho. okay? He must start more games. I got to say that. I, I gotta I, say that. But, but I am I am going to take... I mean, Scott McTominay has been much maligned, I believe. I, I, I almost disrespected. I, I wouldn't say that he's been up there with Harry Maguire, but, you know, Scott McTominay is basically seen as a very limited footballer. Um, and then you look at what he does in the European the, the European qualifiers, right? He's got six goals. He's leading Euro qualifying. He's basically the Scottish Messi at this moment in time. <laughs> um, they're, they're five wins in five. Uh, they've already beaten Spain. They're going to play. He's going to need to be Scottish Messi again because they will play Spain <laughs> again on Thursday, I believe, in a big one. And this one is in Spain, so this is in Seville. Uh, but listen— McTominay, I am 100% there. I mean, that is the ethos that you want within this team because he does. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He bleeds the, He bleeds red. Um, and when it comes down to it, um, you, you need a couple of those guys on the field mixed in with the, the very talented footballers you have um, as well. But you could just feel mm -hmm. that was going to happen. Didn't he have – he had one called back previous to that, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Right. Previous to then scoring um, two. And you can like take pot shots against this guy. But that's the guy that could have possibly just did jumpstart your actual season. Mm -hmm. He might have just jumpstarted your actual season. Now, I think it was a little bit of a cop out because I don't think Manchester United played well enough to win. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter if you've got somebody like that on the pitch. And that is exactly what Ten Hag needed. And that is exactly what all of Manchester United needed because they had lost two in a row at Old Trafford and things were getting pretty damn bleak. Pretty bleak. Um, so I don't know. But what do you learn from that? Boom. Right. Like what as a United supporter? I would love to know in the comments, what did you just learn from that win? Aside from the fact that. Be nicer to McTominay. You need a center. I don't know. That's what you've learned from that game. Yeah. Even though Maguire <laughs> had an assist, okay, which was phenomenal. Yeah. That's what I got to say. Mm -hmm. A center back is much needed on this team. Stability at the back. Okay. Onana, uh, Onana every week does not. I don't want to say Onana every week as a stinker. But Onana every week is exposed because of the lack of quality in front of him, in my view, okay? Varane ain't there yeah. balling out. Lisandro Martinez ain't there balling, balling out like he did last season. They need a center back badly, badly in my yeah. point of view. But uh, I got to say mm. a boost on Rasmus Winterhoyland. Rasmus Winterhoyland mm. has three goals scored in the Champions League. He's an absolute gem, okay? He's showing the results, and if it wasn't for injuries, I am absolutely sure he would be more involved 
with this team and goals. And that's what they need long-term Man United. Don't be surprised if Rasmus Winter Hoyland has like more than 20 goals scored in all competitions this season. I fully believe that can happen. And Amrabat played a good game too against Brentford. I think Amrabat was a good impact in this team. And yes, Galatasaray, I want to give a shout out to them with that win <laughs> against Man yeah, United. Huge. Galatasaray are still unbeaten in all competitions. Galatasaray had their first win ever against an English team with players like Icardi. Sasha Bui, what a game from him at right back. And to Wilfried Zaha yep. scoring in the theater of dreams. It's absolutely You knew similar. it was going to happen. <laughs> I told, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said it was going to happen. Did I not say it was going to happen? Oh, uh, no, but but I, I love the shout out you had there with Sasha Boy because I, I believe he was actually on a short list of uh, probably Arsenal's, um, if I remember correctly. And, and he is, uh, yeah, he's, he's very, very talented. Also, uh, Stad Renee, I believe. I could be wrong about that, but I think he was Stad Rene as well uh, back in the day. But listen, Manchester United, um, moving forward, they actually have two games that can give them a real clear, like, are are we ready to turn this momentum into something? Are we ready to turn this two, two wonder strikes in injury time, uh, courtesy of a guy that we helped develop? Um, are we ready to turn it into something? Because they've got Sheffield United away, and they've got mm, Copenhagen. I believe. And then they have Manchester City. Then you've got the Manchester Derby hmm. at the end of this month. And that should be obviously the you know most local date, the, 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 the nearest date that's circled for them. Um, because they're, they need to build up almost an arrogance before that game. Um, because if they don't, if they don't build up self-belief, confidence, all that stuff that's going to be needed, um, we could be in for a, a, a tough going. Now, it's, it's going to be City without De Bruyne. Um, which is a little less scary, but it's still pretty damn scary, especially given relatively recent history. Um, so we'll see what happens, it's, man. But hey, a win is a win, and I, I love McTominay doing that. And that you was you said phenomenal. about Sasha Bui. I want to confirm what you said. It is Tatren, Sasha Bui, and Sasha yeah, Bui joined Galatasaray in 2021 for one million only. One million yeah. only. They're going to sell him for like 30 to 40. So that's going to be 40 Still 23 years wow. old and French international too. So that's a huge Great. market. And at right back, he can be one day a player yeah. that can play for France. That's an interesting mention. And on the Premier League side, I just wanted to mention too, Liverpool with a 2-2 game against sure. Brighton. Like Liverpool, as it seems, Klopp, as it seems, can't beat the Serbi, okay? Klopp has played yep. the Serbi. No, I the Zerbi in the in the, the in the last four times he played Klopp, he's never mm -hmm. lost to Klopp. Okay, Klopp isn't figuring out Roberto the Zerbi, but to be said, the Zerbi is one of the best managers in the Premier League, definitely in terms of tactics preparing against another team. Okay, it didn't work out with Aston yes. Villa, but it did with. Yep. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, um, you know, Mo, Mo Salah, I think, uh, deserves a whole lot of respect in that game, right? Um, yes. While it was, it, it's always wonderful seeing what Deserbi's doing. Obviously, if Mo Salah's given a chance, he's putting it away. And um, kind of sneakily, once again, Mo Salah has, I think, nine goal involvements in his first eight games. I think it's like five League. goals, four assists in the Premier League. Um, so there he is, like clockwork. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. Now that game was pretty much all about, uh, taking too many chances in the back, right? Those first two goals, Alexis McAllister was stripped after bad distribution and Simon Adingra, the latest 
of Brighton's wonderful recruitment um, comes in and and scores his second Premier League goal in just his third Premier League start um, to go with one assist. And there it is again. You've got Brighton out scouting, possibly out coaching in some respects, um, pretty much every other team out there. But Brighton needed that point. Um, coming off of that big loss to Aston Villa. Uh, and I believe, did they lose again in, in midweek or did they win? Uh, they didn't. They didn't. They true, didn't win. True. They, they didn't win. Okay. They're right now, they've they not, didn't win. They, they're not looking good in European competitions right now, Brighton. No. But there still needs to work on other fronts. That always happens yeah. to teams that are in new experiences, like Brighton is in European competitions. But you said it. A- absolutely. Salah mm-hmm. has five goals. Uh, Salah, Mo Salah. Egyptian King has five goals, four <laughs> assists in his last eight Premier League games. He's definitely, if not like the top two right wingers in the world in form right now. In my view, he's yeah. the top five player in the world right now in form. Top five player for what he's doing. If Salah wasn't there for Liverpool, Liverpool wouldn't be doing as good of a season as they're doing. It's Allison and Mo Salah. The world-class players balling out consistently for Liverpool these past three years. Hopefully, Virgil van Dijk will have a big season this one. He's looking good, at least from the start of the season. And Darwin. Darwin in the Premier League has seven games, only three starts, 45 minutes minutes played per game. That is very short for a player that was spent, (laughs) like, what, 70 million for him? And he's got three goals scored and two assists. So he's been involved. Mm. I expect more of Darwin Nunes, especially because I said he was going to be one of the top goal scorers in the Premier League this season. I could be uh, wrong. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, the the way Klopp is using him, I, I think you you might wind up being wrong here, but for the right reasons. Um, <laughs> and, and who knows? Yeah, he's got a big World Cup qualifier coming up too. I think Uruguay has got Colombia um, this Thursday. So that's that's a that's a huge one but listen I, i'm gonna actually give that assist if i can call up opta or call up uh, premier league i'm gonna not give the assist to darwin i'm actually gonna give that assist to harvey elliott because harvey elliott could have taken a weird weirdly angled shot in this game um and instead he faked it he dummied it and mo Salah was there to just calmly put it right by verbruggen so uh good good on Harvey Elliott, and it's it's nice seeing him uh, have an impact, uh, albeit even if he didn't touch the ball, and it was all because he dummied it. Uh, but that's good IQ, right? Is it not? But back to back to Brighton really quickly because you make a very very good point um, about that two fronts, right? It, it was always going to be tough, and I think the Serbi has said as much. Um, and that's why you saw, you know, Baleba getting a start in this Premier League game because midweek, you know, you had Gilmore, you had, um, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be tired. They're going to be dealing with a whole lot. So this type of a speed bump is to be expected, um, even if it is against uh, uh, opponents that you would expect for them to beat on paper. Um, so maybe they'll rev it up and they can, you know, rattle off three wins to actually get out of the group. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not worried about the Brighton experiment just because they've done not so well in their first two games in the in Europe. Uh, I, and I I'm pretty know. confident the the Serbia's confident too. Well, they lost Ayakapa 3-2 at home. I don't know. I don't know. It could be a tough experience for them going forward in European competitions. But yeah, and a, a team that definitely goes against this point and argument is Newcastle. Newcastle are back yes, in sir. the Champions League after 20 years without it. <laughs> and they beat impressively yeah. P. 
PSG. Mbappe went to St. James Park, but he got defeated by Newcastle mm. big time. And you got to respect the 12th man impact of St. James Park, the Jordy fans. Got to respect Absolutely. that. That is a Premier League team in the making to win a Prem. You can see it. And it's because of the tough uh, the tough team to play at home. That ain't that's mm-hmm. not St. James Park isn't going to be an easy team to beat for a Man City, for an Arsenal, and it wasn't for a PSG. So until the final of the Champions League, if they're in a semi, in a quarter, in the future with a better team, it will always be an important factor. Something like Anfield. Anfield is mm. definitely a big variable for wins for Liverpool in the Champions League. St. James Park yeah. can be that for Newcastle. You saw it in full display against PSG. Brun Guimarães, yeah. <laughs> like Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne with a masterclass. It's unbelievable uh, to see. And Alexander Isak is one of the best young strikers in the world right now. Swedish talents with six Premier League goals scored. Only Erling Haaland has more goals scored than Alexander Isak. So pay attention to this striker and Newcastle. Isak. I, I- I I agree, yeah. And um, if you didn't say it already, he's got six Premier League goals and mm-hmm. six Premier League starts, only behind Holland. Um, but uh, more it. impressive was, <laughs> yeah, you did just say it. Okay, my my brain turned off for a second because I was thinking what I was looking at right here was the actual starting eleven for Newcastle versus PSG. Because if you if you said, I don't know, even twelve months ago, um, that a team with the defense of Kieran Trippier, Jamal Lassell, uh Fabian Schar. Dan Byrne and Nick Pope behind him uh, was going to beat PSG 4-1 to one at St. James Park. Um, I would have probably taken the other side so hard, the other bet um, so hard that that was not going to happen. Um, it, it's amazing to me that we're now looking at this collection of defense and saying... Um, it still is one of the better defenses in the league. Even if they did have that rocky three-game... you know, three game loss or what was it three three losses in a row in the premier league right um this these guys know how to defend when they when they absolutely need to and on top of that you've got another breakout star that's uh kind of coming out here that has been at newcastle for a very long time and that's sean longstaff Mm -hmm. scoring that goal against psg i Dan Byrne and Sean Longstaff scored Champions League goals, and I'm not trying to belittle them in any way, shape, or form, but again, that's another thing that I just, my brain cannot comprehend it, and it was a a very comprehensive win. It was a very comprehensive, um, you know, organization around uh, making sure that you limited Kylian Mbappe as much as possible, and on top of that, they kept Donnarumma always guessing and even making mistakes at times. And it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to see. So, yes, 12th man gets it. Eddie Howe gets uh, a massive, massive uh, boost from this because I think they're on a seven-game unbeaten streak right now after that three-game loss streak. Exactly. So congratulations to Newcastle. I think it's going to continue because there's there's something else. Izak didn't score midweek, but he scores two goals on the weekend. And if they can continue that give and take, um, Newcastle is going to be really, really – they're going to shoot up the table. They didn't easily. lose to West Ham, a tough team to, to, to go against. And Newcastle's True. showing great, great results. And you said it even like a p- couple of weeks back. They scored eight goals against Sheffield. The first time ever in Premier League history that eight different people scored in a game. <laughs> eight mm. different people of the same team. That happened with this Newcastle team. So the amount yeah. of talent, the amount of 
rules that they know. You know, that's the thing with, with Newcastle that I think. Everybody knows the rule that they have to play. I think Eddie Howe is very transparent in his philosophy with his team and highly efficient with his training sessions. He's, you can see yeah. he's a prepper. Eddie Howe is a prepper, and this team was ready for PSG. And my biggest shout-out, my last shout-out on Prem is Trippier. Kieran, Tri yes. Kri Kieran Trippier is the leader of this historic Newcastle team that is in the Champions League after 20 years. I fully believe mm -hmm. Trippier, when he retires one day, he'll be seen as one of the best English fullbacks in the Premier League. I have that, yep. I have that belief because he's representing the beginning of a new era with Newcastle. And he was important for yeah. Tottenham. He took the risk to go to Atletico and he was still being exactly. selected from Southgate, even though he mm. wasn't playing in England. So big respect yeah. towards Kieran Trippier. And I believe he is co-top of the league with five assists uh, in the Premier League. He's up there too, uh, probably second in chances created. Um, but I, I don't think this is controversial to say. Kieran Trippier has been... Um, the most, the consistently, consistently the most influential player for Newcastle since the ownership took over, right? Mm -hmm. Consistently one of the best players in the Premier League, and I think it is tied back to the fact that he does understand his role and he plays that that role so incredibly well in Eddie Howe's um, system that it it just works really perfectly for him. And I I do wonder, I mean. If he never left for Atleti, right? I, I I wonder if he'd be an even better player or he'd be worse off because of it. I think that testing out, um, get, getting outside your zone, getting some influence from uh, La Liga, from from other opponents, right? Um, maybe gave him that that push because he's thirty three. He's not exa exactly like a you know spring chicken here. Um, so he's he's seen a few things and he's come back and uh, I mean I'm just so impressed. Um, with how he runs or helps run that um, defensive and offensive setup for Newcastle. That's so true. good on you. And at the same time, I got to throw a shout out to West Ham because you mentioned it second best, in my opinion, a very close second best signing of the season so far has definitely been James Ward-Prowse, um, who I'm pretty sure has like a goal involvement in every game but one for West Ham since he has joined. And on top of that, we saw Kudush score a goal um, and you know, it might not have been the most special thing or anything, but he is going to score some very special goals for West Ham, um, moving forward. And, and that's a team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the Europa League, um, as well. So that was a fun game to watch that 2 2. Yeah, 2 2. I completely agree with Kudus, that was a great substitution, and James Warprouse. That yes, James Warprouse 100% should have been called up by Southgate. It's embarrassing yes. that Southgate didn't call up a player that is perfect to play in his system. That is why it's yeah. so damn annoying not to see James Ward-Prowse in the selection. But that has happened. But we're talking about players Italy. testing. Oh, <laughs> testing themselves yeah. in the past. Jude Bellingham is the real-life test of an Englishman yeah. conquering the world. Jude Bellingham right now, if Jude Bellingham right now is one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world. In his last 10 games, he's got he's got seven. Like, oh, Jude Bellingham in his last 10 games, he's got 10 goals scored, three assists, yep. and he was the man of the match in seven. Seven of those 10 games. It's absolutely mad that he's the best player of Real Madrid and a Ballon d'Or contender in his first two months in the club. Unreal it to see this. Unreal. Yeah. 
he's won both Player of the Months uh, for La Liga. He had a goal. He had a goal and assist midweek versus Napoli. He had a goal and assist last week versus Girona, who was at that time number one in La Liga or close to number one in La Liga. And then he follows it up with two goals versus Osasuna. Um, but the craziest thing, I mean, this is this is actually the highest form of respect. I'm I'm starting to realize when X or Twitter followers start putting tap in in front of your name, you know, tap in Jude, uh, whatever, what do they call, you know, tap in Ronaldo, whatever. I, I'm making a Pinaldo and all that stuff, right? When they start doing that, it's actually the sincerest form of respect. It means you have made it because everyone wanted to paint Jude as being overrated um, and that the majority of his goals were tap-ins, just tap-ins for Real Madrid. This is a 20-year-old Englishman doing this uh, for one of the most um, respected brands and football clubs and most successful football clubs um, of all time. And he has 10 goals in 10 games. He's matching Cristiano Ronaldo's start to life. And on top of that, you want to know what most people on the field with him want to say about him? They're more impressed with his commitment to defense, his commitment to the press, his commitment to his teammates. I mean, that I don't know how much more you can express. Jude Bellingham is has been an absolute star, consummate professional everywhere he he goes. And the cynics out there probably want to go, okay, well, you know, what's the secret? What's going to happen? Something's going to come down the pike. He's going to lose that confidence. I don't think so, man. Jude Bellingham has already made himself literally the most important player, maybe next to Vinny, the most important player for Real Madrid and for Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti has a free role in Real Madrid's setup for Jude Bellingham at 20 years old. Gives him the freedom to run. And that, in, in, it's mind-blowing. It really is. It's mind-blowing. And he Very is going to be different. Um, so I, I just love, I love it, I love it, I love it. And, you know, Fede Valverde deserves some love, too. Um, mm-hmm. Because he, I believe, leads the top five leagues in chances created in open play. And nobody's basically talked about Valverde at all. Don't this worry. season, Don't but worry. Uh, we're here to talk. We're here to talk about Valverde. Yeah. I, I agree with you. That he right. deserves a lot of respect. But going with what you yeah. said briefly, Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> in his first 10 games for Real Madrid, he got 10 goals and one assist. Jude Bellingham playing in midfield has 10 goals and three assists. So, yes, critics right. can say he's doing better <laughs> than Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo did in his first 10 games for Real Madrid. And that's absolutely bonkers. He's definitely yes. elevated himself towards being a Galactico. And Jude Bellingham is clearly chasing greatness at Real Madrid. He's learning from he Modric. He's learning from Kroos. I believe next season there's not going to be maybe Modric and Kroos. But maybe there will be Kylian Mbappé. And with Bellingham playing like this, with Kylian Mbappé... Real Madrid are Champions League favorites in my view. It has to be the yep. case. They are looking so scary. And clean sheets too. This is what I got to say. Real Madrid Real Madrid has one of the best midfields in the world. Not just because they have Jude Bellingham. Obviously, it's the biggest, biggest argument. <laughs> but they have one of the best mm-hmm. midfields because they have an adaptive midfield. Camavinga can play left back. Valverde can play at the wing. Chuameni can play at center back like we saw at Osasuna. Adaptability that shows quality in all the midfielders at, for Real Madrid. So pay big attention to how good they play these players and how good they train them. Because to play two yep. positions, you need to have a high IQ. 
You need to have a mm. lot of prep, a lot of video prep, a lot of knowing where to be at the right time. And for Kamavinga to play at left back, for Chuameni to play at center back, for Valverde to play at winger, that shows preparation and elite, elitism. Only a club like Real Madrid mm -hmm. can do the prepping to have players doing this. And then Ancelotti is coach. Big respect towards yeah. Ancelotti because I don't know if Jude Bellingham would... I don't know if anyone could put Jude Bellingham playing like he did at the start with Real Madrid if it wasn't for Ancelotti. Maybe uh, Guardiola uh, would be elite with Jude Bellingham, obviously, but Ancelotti sh is showing once again that he's one of the greatest managers ever in the history of football with how good he's coaching yeah. Jude Bellingham, in my view. Unreal. And we Unreal. are... Uh a little, a little bit ago, I was holding up three fingers because we are less than three weeks away from the Classico. Oh, 28th um, of October. And the first, <laughs> you betcha. And uh, the Classico will be played on Montjuic. It won't be played at Spotify Camp Nou because that is under construction. Uh, <laughs> but you better believe that uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid are going to bring it that day. We're going to get some answers um, that day. And um, I think that's on the same day that Arsenal plays Chelsea. So, you know, we've got some, we got some date circle. I'm loving this. Or maybe, wait, no, maybe not. I no, think it's Manchester City. Man United, Man City plays exactly, on the 28th. Exactly. That's what it is. It's exactly. That's what it is. So, And there's, I think, Woo! even a, a Serie A game, too, that I think on the 28th of October, everybody's going to be watching football. No doubts yes. in my mind. And Vinicius Jr., I just want to give a special shout-out. He might be getting an mm. extension with Real Madrid. So, <laughs> in the next year, we'll have Jude Bellingham. Real Madrid in the next year, they'll have Vinicius Jr. with an extension now. Jude Bellingham, Rodrigo, Hendrik, <laughs> Arda Guler, wow. Chuameni, Camavinga, Valverde, Eder Militao. Like, the, <laughs> the extensive it's... list of talent is unreal. And only a Florentino Perez can make such a well-organized team like this. With the amount of money spent. There was, like, what? Yeah. Less than $200 million to get all these players yeah. referred. <laughs> but I'm saying... Great recruitment, great this, great that. A lot of people were hating on AC Milan for selling Donali, but no more. You cannot hate AC Milan because no. they are the leaders of Serie A mm. right now. And they're the leaders yeah. with whoa, with who having a big influence in an assistant at goal, Brenton? <laughs> what happened there? Oh, Christian Pulisic. Uh, listen, it, it's amazing what happens when a, when a player gets healthy. Uh, when a player has played in or around the position that he is grow has grown up playing or has had the most effect playing, mm -hmm. and when there is uh, very clearly a manager that wants him and wants him to be the focal point um, of the attack. And that doesn't mean there's a, not a whole lot of improvement that needs to happen with Pulisic, right? Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean that at all because he needs to start having that exact same impact in the Champions League with the group stage games because they've managed this many goals in two, two Champions League matches. But listen... Four goals, one assist, and seven starts. And he scored some pretty nice bangers. And he's had some pretty good goals. Um, I, I, I'm, I am just highly optimistic uh, about a, a guy playing in a setup where he's just very clearly wanted. Once again, um, once but, again last season, 100% yeah. Pulisic. Last season, 100% Pulisic was, one, was not one of the best U.S. men's national team players playing at Chelsea. Right now, at AC Milan, oh, yeah. he's the best. Uh, is the, well, no, actually, last season when he was healthy playing for the U.S. men's national team, instead, or, uh, he was able to show people what he could do 
Um, so I, he was the best player last season, and he was the best. He's the best player this season in terms of American national. Now, in Maybe terms Giorena. of uh, an, an American, given moments for Dortmund uh, last season, <laughs> given given moments, was. yeah. He's had his moments, but obviously he just got back onto the pitch. He just played his first minutes of the season uh, relatively recently, and there and he was just called back into camp. Um, so we will see. But no, Christian Pulisic, I think, has been very consistent for the U.S. Uh, for the U.S. team. It's obviously it was him coming in, uh, you know, banged up from Chelsea or. or uh, wanting to prove himself it almost given it gave him a chip on the shoulder type of thing because he had baller performances against mexico mm. last season okay so uh, i think him i'm not going to say escaping chelsea but realizing he was not wanted at chelsea and instead of you know bunkering down like some people do like you know <clears throat> harry Maguire, and uh saying i'm not going to leave here i'm going to fight for my spot he realized i gotta get the heck out of here mm -hmm. and he was very lucky that Stefano Pioli, um, the AC Milan setup, they all wanted him. They all wanted him. And and he was able to see that. And he is a part of, if Tonali doesn't get sold, I don't know if that gets done. Maybe he still gets done. But you're not bringing in Tonali. You're not bringing in Pulisic. You're not bringing in Reinders. You're not bringing in Okafor. You're not bringing in all of these players, Musa, that have already had great, great influences. And they, they needed to continue. But yes. They are top, but that wasn't even the craziest thing in the game was that 87th minute Pulisic goal that a lot of people might have wanted to tell you was a, a handball. Um, for those of you that have not watched it, and I had a buddy of mine that texted me. He goes, if you haven't watched the game yet, you have to just go watch the last 10 minutes. Don't look at anything and go watch the last 10 minutes, 87th minute onward. And it is the most bonker last 10 minutes of a game um, that I have seen in a very, very long time. First, you had Mike Magnan kickboxing, essentially, um, destroying Caleb Ekuban from Genoa um, and getting a straight red card. He gets sent off. They had done all of their subs. So who did they have to put in net, Alex? <laughs> Olivier Giroud. Got to replace a Frenchman with a Frenchman, I guess. <laughs> and when it comes down to it, Olivier Giroud was actually called upon to make a save. Now, I'm not sure how much he knew about it. Uh, because he just closed his eyes and hoped. But he got a piece of that ball, and he saved that win. So here's what it's going to come down to. Uh, Milan still has a lot of work to do, mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, if you're getting wins like that, you know, those those kind of like maybe a little bit lucky, the the, the fortune favors the bold, that type of situation, mm -hmm. um, that's always a pretty damn good sign. Um, and come on, Olivier Giroud. Um, even he said, uh, listen, I've been in football a long time and I've never been a part of a game that was like that. <laughs> I actually watched this 10 minutes and it was, it was pretty bonkers. Like Giroud, was crazy. He, he comes off the goal with confidence and yeah. he does, he does give, he does give a punch on it and he doesn't know where the ball's going. And then he grabs because of a deflection. Yeah. So if, crazy. yes, I agree with Bretton, please go watch the tape of uh, Issa Milan against Genova at the end with the 87th minute goal of Christian Pulisic and Olivier Giroud this season. He's played a goalkeeper yeah. and for Issa Milan in Serie A, he's got four goals scored and three assists. Olivier Giroud mm. is one of the most underrated players in his generation. And he's the all-time goal scorer of French, of France too. In the meantime. Yeah. Just in the meantime. Well, and big shout out to uh, Griezmann that had a big win against Real Sociedad, 2-1. And Griezmann mm -hmm. is already at four goals scored in La Liga. Once again, yeah. I fully expect Griezmann to be one of the top goal scorers of La Liga and one of the best players of La yeah. Liga. 
Antoine Griezmann. Well, uh, I, I got to get back to Syria just for one second because <laughs> yes. um, the, it, my my heart my heart was uh, full as somebody that has watched uh, American soccer uh, for many years, seeing not only was Yunus Musa and Christian Pulisic um, instrumental in that Milan win. Uh, but on top of that, I got to see Weston McKenney and Timothy Weah uh, starting for Juve. Um, and I, I think that might be one of the next big ones coming up. I think it's Juve versus AC Milan. And I'm pretty certain uh, that, unfortunately, they'll be missing Magnan uh, in that game. AC Milan will. And on top of that, I think they're going to be missing Teo because he got a uh, yellow card. So they will, they're going to need to summon something um, to win. And also, before we leave Syria. Somebody has to say it. I got to shout out Romelu Lukaku. Mm-hmm. Got to be. I mean, Six because Jose, seven games. I, I, he's got, <laughs> I think it's seven goals in his last seven matches. He's got nine goals in his last eight games for club and country. If you count that great um, last Euro qualifier for Belgium too. So um, listen, he's out of the gates fast and, and Jose Mourinho believes in him. And it's nice to see. And even though Roma uh, had a terrible start to this area, um, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of cannibalization uh, as this season gets into the thick of it um, and these teams start playing each other hot and fast. So uh, I love, once again, Syria is going to be no, it's, one it's, of the more electric title races. That's for sure. But as of right now, AC Milan's on top. And going with what you said, it, it is going to be a great title race because AC Milan's top right now. They got seven wins and only one loss. And that one loss was a 5-1 loss. They inked Yeah. So the, yeah. The, 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 the power ranking of the best team of Serie A is still a question because Inter can be there. AC Milan can yeah. be there. And look, I don't like Allegri with Juve, but they, can ha- they have players that can make them be there in that discussion. But going with what you said True. about Lukaku... Lukaku is one of the most hated players in football. And Jose Mourinho is one of the hate, one of the most hated managers and beloved too in football. Okay? So it's a great, great partnership in my view. And Lukaku's playing 90 minutes once again. Full 90 minutes like he did against Cagliari. Two shots on target, two goals scored. So Lukaku's gaining confidence and he's already got five goals scored in Serie A. So keep on going, Lukaku. Not Sanch. Roma could be an interesting team because they started badly, but you're not going to sack mm-hmm. Jose Mourinho if, if he's getting you to European finals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if you're still in the Europa League. So I still think that things can come back. And by the end of October, beginning of November, things will be different, I think, for Roma. But let us know mm-hmm. what are you thinking. And I see Ozime. I saw that Morata is being considered by Napoli. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout out to Ozime's contract is until 2025. So this is my bold prediction. He is for sure leaving until the summer of 2024. The Euros are going to be mm. in the summer and the Ozime transfer will be in the summer too, in my view. So I mm. think the best team for him to go could be Arsenal because Arsenal, if they get a striker to compete against Holland with Man City, <laughs> that would yeah. be quite crazy. But Chelsea, Tottenham, Real Madrid, there are other teams that can make a move for Ozime too. So I just wanted to give well, a shout out to that. Well, then I, I'm going to have to, maybe I can do this segue pretty well, because if you're talking about Victor Osimhen potentially heading to the Premier League, um, <laughs> Napoli is going to need a replacement. Uh, and yeah. there are two guys in the Bundesliga right now this is the segue i'm setting it up we're heading off to germany um there are two guys in the bundesliga right now that cannot stop scoring 
Um, and one place for a team that was fighting for relegation last season, Stuttgart. His name is Serhu Girassi. He has 13 goals in seven games, which I'm not even sure that that's been done before, even with Robert Lewandowski and Erling Holland going blow for blow in the golden boot race in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, one of the best signings all time of this season. I shouldn't say all time. I should say of this uh, summer transfer window, and that would be Victor Boniface at mm-hmm. Bayer Leverkusen, who are playing shabby ball to the nth degree. Um, and we'll <laughs> talk about them each individually. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, um, the surprise of Girassi or shabby ball? Well, Girassi is top. Like, Girassi put Stuttgart top of the table before the Leverkusen win. Crazy. So I think Girassi yeah. deserves that shout. Girassi scores a hat trick in 15 minutes. And right now, he's got 13 goals scored in seven matches and one assist to. Pay attention to this player because this is historic. And a lot of people yeah. were judging Stuttgart for getting Gerasi. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. And, and you ready for this? Remember how we tied Sasha Bowie back to Stad Rene? Mm-hmm. Serhu Gerasi was also Stad Rene. Uh... And he did not get his chances there. And guess who bought him for $9 million? Um, uh, $9 million was Stuttgart. And Stuttgart needed him last season to stay in the Bundesliga. And already... He's got repaid them. He scored a bunch of goals for them last season, too. But he's got 13 goals in the seven games. But they've also won six of their seven this season. And this was a team, again, that was relegation battlers last season. So it is, um, I mean, he's going to make Stuttgart so much money. It's not even funny, right? Nine million is probably going to be turned into if he can c- continue, even wind up scoring just twenty goals. Say he fades throughout the rest of the season and he only scores twenty goals, uh, he could probably still get offloaded for forty to fifty million, which breaks the club's departure record. He becomes the most expensive uh, departure for Stuttgart since uh, I think it was Benjamin Pavard was thirty-five million. Uh... So it, it, is, it is bonkers to me that this man is not being talked about more. And if you watch his goals, he has a wonderful assortment of goals. It's very Osiman-like, very Osiman-like. He's fast, he's strong, he's not as technical, but he has a ridiculous shot that he'll, fi- he'll, he'll fire from anywhere. 25 yards out, 15 yards out, you know, point-blank range. Girassi could be seen by the end of the season as a potential Osimen replacement or anyone else out there that doesn't want to spend a hundred million on a striker. You might want to look his direction. Okay. Um, How much was Colomani to PSG? Oh my gosh. hundred? Nine? Uh, th- no. Was it no, that much? I think it 80? was like 80. So 80. G- Girassi, yeah. is g- Girassi is working towards at least being in the conversation yeah. of above 70 million. With these numbers. Bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. bonkers. And you mentioned Boniface. Yeah. Boniface right now has seven goals, two assists. And yes, mm. I fully believe he's one of the best signings this summer. Xabi Alonso ball yeah. is magnificent. Xabi Alonso and Bayer Leverkusen are top of the Bundesliga. They're currently unbeaten. They have 37 mm. goals scored. They have only seven conceded. Wirtz is playing uh, very good football. Hoffman is great. Yeah. Playing good football. Kosonu, yeah. Tapsoba, so many new references at this club. And when Chabi Alonso started, they were 16th in the Bundesliga. Currently, they're yep. top of the Bundesliga. They faced a, a team like Bayern Munich and they didn't lose. And now, a team like Mainz that could beat hard, they still win easily. And yep. I'll say this confidently. 
Alejandro Grimaldo and Jeremy Frimpong mm. are one of the best fullback duos in the world right now. Both Ooh, have two up. goals and three assists. Frimpong would mm -hmm. start for a team like Man United. And Grimaldo not being selected for Spain is embarrassing, even though I think they should start. But Grimaldo, what else does he need to do? When there's a free kick, it's Grimaldo scoring the free kick. Not just doing it, he scores them if it's close to the goal. It's like a penalty, literally. So start wow. paying attention more and more to Leverkusen and Florian Wirtz. Jamal yeah. Musiala. So no, no, yeah. yeah. Florian no, no, Wirtz. No Grimaldo, no Grimaldo and no Poro for nope. Spain against Scotland. That's interesting. It's that true. is interesting. And, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it works out. But I, I just, before we move on from Leverkusen, I, I just have to say, yeah. you mentioned his name in there. Um, and if we could actually rewind, if you go back to who I think the most underrated transfers are of the season um, previous to this or who I thought there were going to be, one of mine is already coming uh, to fruition. And that is Hoffman. OK, Hoffman is he's 31 years old, but he he's like a Swiss Army knife for shabby ball. OK, and this is a shabby ball that almost averages four goals a game this season. Mm -hmm. Shabby ball that almost averages four goals a game. And this uh, Hoffman character, he's got six goals, four assists in eight starts for Leverkusen. And he has been involved in pretty much every game. Uh, nine wins, one draw in 10 games. So uh, the only draw that they had. Alex mm. was a draw at the Allianz against Bayern Munich. That's it. That's, That's it. So, I, I mean, Hoffman is so central to this that mm. I don't think he's gonna, not gonna, he's never going to get the amount of credit that Boniface will get. He's never going to get the amount of credit that Florian Wirtz should get. But if it's not for Hoffman and if it's not for Ezekiel Palacios, Shabby Ball would not work, That's in true. my opinion. Um, so shout out to them. And I do, I think I actually agree with you. I'm not even going to fight you on that, uh, the fullback scenario. Um, Frimpong and Grimaldo, uh, you know, they're one of the more, they're definitely the most entertaining fullback duo on the planet right now. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with that. <laughs> Entertaining, I'll go with Balde against Hill. <laughs> Entertaining. True. But, but I okay. get you. I yeah. get you. That is unexpected for many people. Seeing, like, like this weekend, we the we saw on Sunday that Grimaldo had an assist to Fringpong mm -hmm. in, in towards, mm -hmm. like, a play that you'd expect a winger to be in that position. So it's pretty <laughs> mad to see that happen. But, yes, yeah. this is a big topic because, yes, the people at home know that we talk a lot about Messi and what happened. Messi mm. officially has failed to go to the playoffs. Inter Miami yeah. haven't gotten to the playoffs. Without Messi, Inter Miami have seven games, only one win. So they're highly reliant on Lionel Messi. And we won't be yep. seeing Lionel Messi play football until February. Until uh, February. Yeah. But, but we could see a loan deal. We could see a loan deal, Breton, because in 2012... Thierry was went to Arsenal for two months because the, yeah because, <laughs> because they he could he could have those two months to play for Arsenal and make something happen. Can we make yeah, something well, happen at Barca? <laughs> well, listen, David Beckham once did it, and he also tore his ACL uh, or his Achilles. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna not that Lionel Messi um, it listens to me, uh, but I really really hope that a loan move does not happen. No, I really Why? really do now. That doesn't mean that there shouldn't be some sort of a Please. sending off, some sort of a commemoration, some sort of a milestone match between Barcelona um, and 
Inter Miami uh, that you know you you just get that final closure right for Barcelona fans. Um, I really don't think he should return because it, it, I do right. believe this was not this was not Lionel Messi's fault. The fact that he is injured is not necessarily Lionel Messi's fault. Um, the fact that that Inter Miami was already in a relatively insurmountable hole to begin with was not Lionel Messi's fault, nor is it Tata Martino's, right? But you made a very good point is that they relied too much on him. And I don't think it'll be that way if Lionel Messi is healthy at the beginning of next season, which is generally end of February, heading into a Copa America that's going to be historic. It's going to be held in the U.S. It's going to be pretty amazing um, to, to watch. And I'm sure it's going to be one he wants to win as well. But this Inter-Miami team will be better built to not rely as much on Lionel Messi hopefully for his sake, moving forward, to not rely on Sergio Busquets turning back time and, you know, acting like he's 28 years old, which he was able to do for, you know, 10 games before you started to see he was a little bit human, to not, to have hopefully Jordi Alba for a whole entire season. So they need to build this roster better to accommodate that. And I just think that if you send him on loan to Barcelona, which I agree is a potential reality, um... (laughs) <laughs> you 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 run the risk. You you just run the risk of of hurting the man. Okay, but, but it's hurting beautiful. The man. But it's beautiful. If Lionel Messi comes back to Barcelona on loan, it will be beautiful. It will be the sending off and the homecoming of a legend. And I think he would be yeah. seen and respectively seen as one of the best players in the world too right now. And I think I would give yeah. a lot of value to the MLS saying. Yeah, yep. we're giving you on loan the best one of the best players in the world still. <laughs> That's what and then, we have. And then, and, and then you get an injured, then no, you get an injured player happen. for the majority of. The, it no. happened. It happened with Beckham, and he wasn't even sent on loan to United. I'm he was still, sent on loan to, what was it Milan? I believe he, he was at PSG. Yeah, and then PSG. But uh, yeah. I, I well that documentary I fully recommend people go watch Great. the David Beckham documentary on Netflix is good stuff. Quite good moments are being shared, especially with with Victoria Beckham, like some like the seventy five thousand. Do you know what I'm talking about? The the, the I know what you're talking about. <laughs> like uh, it's pretty, definitely definitely worth a watch. But definitely and, in terms you know, of mental health, it's 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 very yeah. strongly guided to to say and to show people that like. Mental health is very important in football, and a player like David Beckham, he could have been one of the, the the top of the mountain, but you could still you can be anywhere, and you can suffer from mental health. So them showing oh, that absolutely. is 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 great because uh, it spreads awareness. And yeah, it does. It's it does. <laughs> uh, well, it's good stuff. and then this is for a guy that that um, if you watch the first thing you realize, and the first thing he actually says about himself. Um, in the documentaries, he's like, I don't have a lot of friends. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. Uh, my friend was essentially a football. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, even his parents were like, all he wanted to do was go back and work. And he was very, which probably contributes to it, because when you have lows mm-hmm. elsewhere, they feel like really, really, really low lows, right? Um, and uh, it, it's it was just amazing to kind of see that side from him. And I don't think, I mean, to I don't think David Beckham ever scored a bad goal. I mean, every goal they show in this flipping documentary, I get oh. that they can pick and choose, but every goal that they scored is something that I couldn't even dream about doing it's once. There, there's no tap-ins with David Beckham. Uh, but anyway. The, the form he has. He has a great form and a way, the way he kicks the ball. Beautiful. It is quite exquisite, and it's quite unique, and that's what makes David Beckham, and bended like David Beckham, something so unique and special.
It's be- it's Bender well, like Messi, but Bender like Beckham does exist too. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I hope Beckham is in the ear of Lionel Messi saying, "I know that you might want to go on loan and continue playing, but please don't, please don't." <laughs> um, but well, you know, Beckham. If it was any other owner than Beckham, they'd probably be like, "Hey, yeah, give us ten million dollars and you can go do it." Uh, but so, when it comes down to it, I think he ob- absolutely deserves what he is bare minimum going to get which is closure for Barcelona fans having a sending off a massive, hopefully they pack a stadium. And this is the sucky thing. Spotify Camp Nou or Camp Nou is not even an option for this. So it's like, where do you have this that's big enough? Because you don't want to have it on Montjuic. Um, You don't want to have it, you know, I don't know. I mean, you don't want to have it. You certainly don't want to have it in Madrid. Um, So where where do you have it um, for Lionel Messi? And it could wind up being in Miami, which, eh. It's, I don't, I, it's not the but, same. So wait, patience, but, you know, get it done. But, but with Messi yeah. out of the playoffs, who is favorites, though? Who is the favorite to win the MLS playoffs right now? Yeah. So uh, there's something called the Supporter Shield, which everybody else knows as the winner. Um, it's the top record at the end of regular season. Because we're Americans, we love playoffs. Let's continue the season, right? Um, but FC Cincinnati has got to be one. Um, they've been the best by far all season. Um, and what makes them more special is that they were only a couple seasons ago, the worst in the league. So they have gone from the worst to the first and they now have to do it. They've won the supporter shield, which is the best record in the whole regular season. Nobody can catch them. And now they will head into the playoffs as the number one seed. I think they are, uh, the best team, uh, uh, out there, and they're possibly one of the best coached as well. Um, they've got Brandon Vazquez and Aaron Bupenza, and they've got Luciano Acosta in midfield, another Argentine player that is just um, really fun because he's also a small dude um, and just whatever. He tears defenses apart. So I'm going to say FC Cincinnati, although there are always, as we see in a lot of American sports, there are always teams that run everybody you know through the ringer throughout the whole regular season and then they fade in the playoffs and it's always the hottest team out there um heading into the playoffs and i'm gonna throw one out there i'm gonna say hector herrera and houston dynamo have all the momentum in the world and i think they need to people need to watch out uh for the houston dynamo because they are very good and hector herrera uh if Lionel messi was not in this particular season um, Hector Herrera would be seen as one of the best players in Major League Soccer, if not the best player in Major League Soccer. And again, it hates, it pains me to say this about a Mexican player, but he has been nothing but amazing since joining Houston. Um, so there it is. Cincinnati first, Houston second is what I'm going with. Ooh, so let us know down below your choices, okay? Who is the favorite to win the MLS in your, your point of view? Comment down below and don't forget to like this video. But yes, FC yeah. Wonder Kid, we got to shout out here some players at the end. And I want to give a special shout out to, if you don't know about Antonio Silva, we talk a lot about him. And against Studio B, Fika needed a hero and Antonio Silva was that hero. He had a mm-hmm. last minute save defending wise in his own half. And then he went to the opposition and he scored a goal in the 93rd minute that gives Benfica the key win. So shout out to Antonio Silva and to João Neves that got selected for Portugal this week. Huge. Great to see Nike. both getting the, the, the chance to shine for Portugal. Phenomenal. Love it. 19 Love it. Mate. Well, I'm go- yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out a player that technically age-wise, he's not a wonder kid. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. But based on the fact that coming into the season, he only has played like a hundred minutes for Anderlecht. Uh, oh, I think yeah. Teo Leone, 23 years old, Anderlecht is currently top of the table. They've had a bad few seasons. In fact, they haven't really regained the form that they once had with Tielemann, um, Versharen, and some other players uh, who I'm forgetting right now. But they have a really nice core, and that's because of the emergence of this 23-year-old Teo Leone. Um, because we're looking like he's easily the best most important and most influential player for Anderlecht heading into the season. He's first in the league with assists. He's also first in the league with tackles one. You don't generally see that those two things work in conjunction uh, with each other. And this is all from a guy that has only started 10 games in the Mm -hmm. pro league. So if his uh, ascendancy continues the way it has, um, I I think you're going to see him as um, somebody maybe the Bundesliga is looking at or or whatever at the end of the season. And if he can also have Anderlecht winning the Pro League at the end of the season, bringing them back to the precipice, um, that would be absolutely uh, huge. But he's definitely one you got to watch based on how influential he's been throughout the first nine games of the season with five assists and a goal. Uh, so Taylor mine. Good shout out, me because under like they're having yeah. a great start. They have Dolber back. They have Vertogen yep. captain, and they got the Bast. Mm-hmm. That is one of the best the young bust. center backs in the world. So uh, he's the Bast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> terrible. Hey, that's the first time I heard <laughs> that one, mate. No, I'll give you, I'll give you a thumbs up on on uh on uh, definitely uh fertile mine. That was <laughs> yeah, that was a really yeah, good joke know. in my end. I I think that was good, Brenton. I think that was a. That was a good joke, but I wanted just to we say, Santiago yeah. managed too. Santiago, and oh just like the Belgian league, yeah. is definitely very interesting to watch. And Santiago so managed in his last eight games in Eredivisie, he's got twelve goals scored and two assists. One of the most yep. valuable players in Eredivisie. Kokshu has left to Befica this summer. Yep. Santiago managed will be leaving to a top European team that needs a striker. I'd say maybe yeah. uh, Chelsea, maybe uh, Real Madrid. I don't know. But Ooh. Santiago Jimenez so shows a lot of promise. A lot of promise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Spurs could come back for him too. But 12 goals. 12 mm-hmm. goals in eight league games. And I, I guarantee you he is chomping at the bit to get into this Champions League action uh, in the future because he was suspended for the first uh, two matches. But more crazily, you brought up the Eredivisie and... Um, it's absolutely insane to me this particular season. And we, we're talking about a lot of close races because we're like eight, nine, ten games into the season, sure. Mm-hmm. But the year divisi is shaping up to be like one for the ages. You've got, okay, and let me start with the worst. You've got Ajax in the relegation zone, Alex. Mm-hmm. And then you have Feyenoord, who is unbeaten in eight. There's six, uh, six wins, two draws. But they're in like third place, and they've got 28 goals scored because, because... You have PSV starting out with eight wins in eight, with Luke de Jong turning back the years, with Malik Tillman, another U.S. guy, uh, doing really, really well. Just two goals have been conceded um, for PSV Eindhoven. And then you have Azed Alkmaar and you have FC Twant, that I think there might be one loss between the two of them. Um, and Azed Alkmaar is, has a, a Greek striker that already has, I think, 10 goals or something or in seven games. Yeah, Pavlidis, exactly. Um, what did I say? 
Uh, yeah, Pavlidis. <laughs> I said Greek striker. Um, but yeah, he's only 24 years old, and I, I, if nobody's looking at him oh. uh, by the end of the season, I'd be absolutely shocked. So if you're not watching uh, the Eredivisie, you're seeing a lot of young guys um, being mixed in with some old heads that are doing really, really well. Ben and Wolf there are Eagle. some absolute studs. Yeah, um, but the biggest one I want to... Uh, to go back to Santi Jimenez's team, to go back to Feyenoord, uh, he's 22 as well. You got to give a shout out to Urian Timber's brother. This is Quentin Timber. He has basically replaced Orkin Koksu, not you know entirely, but Quentin Timber, his his star is inexplic not inexplicably is definitely rising at this moment in time um and and he has become kind of that focal point of a Feyenoord midfield that is just as formidable as when Koksu left so uh I I'm really really excited watching the Eredivisie this season and that's not just because there's a bunch of Americans littered in there um that's just because like <laughs> dude Ajax in the relegation zone this is crazy. It's true. It's true. And Feyenoord have Quinton Timber, Santiago Jimenez, Calvin Stanks too is balling out. Yep. I was quite surprised with that one. And I got to say, Great. the biggest redemption arc this season is Noah Lang. Noah Lang yep. against Sevilla was unreal in terms of dribbling. And in the league, he's got four goals scored and one assist. One of the best players at PSV. And he needed true. that. He needed that confidence, and I fully believe that if Noah Lang is confident and with the right mindset, this is one of the best dribbling wingers in the world. We're talking Doku oh, levels. Great. Doku levels, in yeah. my view. Noah Lang. <laughs> but you said it, mate. It's just interesting with the old heads. The old heads of the Eredivisie, <laughs> like you said. <laughs> with Ricky Van Volswinkel, yep. the, the top goal scorer with, next to Sam Stein. Sam Stein, the <laughs> son of Maurice Stein. The man who will be sacked, I think, from the Ajax head coach position. <laughs> but Ricky Van Volswinkel with four goals scored. And Luke De Jong with seven. It's just like, it's so interesting, mate, to have them like in the top goal scorers talk. But the two and top... It's you said yeah. Santiago Jimenez, 12 goals scored yeah. in the Eredivisie, and Vangelis Pavlidis with 10 goals scored. I am absolutely yeah. sure this is not a bold take, it's a guarantee. Both won't be in Eredivisie next season. Only if they have an no. injury, I'll, I'll, I'll say that they'll stay. But both are for sure leaving because they, are, they give guarantee goals. Guarantee goals. Yeah, and, I, and both play for national I, teams that they're the stars. One the Mexican and true. one the Greek national team. So another True. point, another point for that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I think I remember saying at the beginning of the season with you, Alex, you were like, hey, what do you think of the Ricardo Pepe move to PSV? I'm like, <laughs> I love it because, you know, Luke de Jong is getting older um, and there's no way, you know, he can recreate, you know, what he has done in the Eredivisie in the past. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, seven <laughs> goals, five assists in eight straight league wins. Um I, I'm glad Pepe's been given some, you know, junk time and has been able to score some goals. Uh, but my goodness, if Luke De Jong keeps playing like this, I'm I'm going to mistake him for a wonder kid. And Alilovic um, too. And Erede Visa playing very yeah. well for Fortuna Sitard. Even Halilovic. Like, That's great. <laughs> Alilovic, but uh, Quinton Timber, that is a great bold shout too. And Bakayoko, never yes. forget Bakayoko. My yeah, last mention is Roger Fernandes, okay? I mentioned okay. Antonio Silva. Roger Fernandes, a 17-year-old Fabraga, had two assists in stoppage time. Fabraga, yep. crucial. And if you see the assist, the timing, the quality, you can't do that easily at 17. So please no. pay attention to Roger Fernandes of Braga, a wonder kid that is balling out in the Portuguese league. We'll see him more this season. 
I love more in my yeah. view. Savior. Like it. Well, <laughs> it's it's uh, my my uh, I've got two more mm-hmm. uh, and I'll be quick with them. But one we've we've talked about before. Uh, Arthur Vermeeren. I, knew I, I don't know what more. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what more we have to say about him. But for some reason this week, he turned into like this little playmaker that we've got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, come on, at 18 years old, uh, he had two assists in, yes, a tough Champions League loss. But two assists in the Champions League for an 18-year-old midfielder for Royal Antwerp. Um, and he, he's become this calm, composed conductor. At the same time, he's he's a uh, somebody that just mucks up the passing lanes and just makes sure that Royal Antwerp is not, you know, easily beaten. He is not overrated for those of you that want to just instinctively say that because I'm going to say something that might be weird, um, but I I honestly do see shades, very little, very, you know, starting, growing shades of kind of like a Jude Bellingham um, type of effect, a little more defensive in nature uh, moving forward, just the way he composes himself and the way he, he glides um, and he commands uh, a midfield. Um, and he's already won a league. He's won Royal Antwerp, uh, only won the league, I think, because Arthur Vermeeren's emergence um, last season. Well, and he is starting to take another step up. Uh, he's faring very well in the Champions League, even if they aren't winning. Um, and, you know, I just think it's going to continue here. So Arthur Vermeeren is going to be fought over at the end of the season, and, and even more first, so because he's only 18. And he's the first he's player 18. since Kevin De Bruyne to score two assists in the Champions League. Yeah. Arthur Vermeeren oh, wow. at 18. Sheesh. And this weekend he had a goal and an assist too, going with exactly. the two assists he had at midweek. So this is mad yeah. for a player so young at 18 years old. The future of Belgium, yeah. Doku. Arthur Vermeeren, the bust, is starting to look a bit oh better my. than a couple of two years back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, my last one, my last one here. Uh, I got to match your 17-year-old Roger Fernandez with a, a 17-year-old from the Breton region, which is my first name. If people don't know, um, <laughs> of of uh, France, uh, Lorient. Um, we all know Lorient from Enzo Lefay. We remember them from uh, for Dango Watara, who has yet to really get running at Bournemouth. Um, for Tara Muffy, who's now at Nice um, and scored, I believe, against PSG uh, a little while back, right? But now you've got to watch out for this 17-year-old. His name is Ellie Krupe. Uh Ellie Jr., I think is what he goes by, but he's born in 2006. He's made in Lorient, and he's already got three goals, two assists in just four starts this season. Small sample size, but that is quite a nice uh, return for a small sample size. But you're going to hear more about him, especially if you look at the Lyon results from this weekend, because he had a brace versus Lyon, okay? Um, He had a brace versus Lyon, and this is a Lyon. Remember, I just mentioned Ajax is in the relegation zone. Uh, Lyon is still, Oof. after eight games, without a win in Ligon. Hey. And there are weird things happening. They just hired Fabio Grosso, who used to play for them. Um, I think it's a good signing, but over time, it's it's going to take time. Um, a lot of guys are not playing at full speed, I think, for them just yet. Um, and they made some very, very questionable signings. So I'm really, really interested to see if and when Lyon picks up. But... Back to Ellie Krupe. That's somebody you're going to want to watch because he likely is going to be the next Lorient player um, out the door, uh, and we'll see where he winds up going. But 17 years old, dude. And Two Enzo, goals against Lyon. And Enzo Lafay, if people don't know too, like one of the best signings yeah. this summer in my view. 
for 25 yeah. million that it was <laughs> Statred yeah. got a complete bargain but let us know down below your thoughts about episode 126 what topics did we miss out and react towards Messi not playing the playoffs react mm. towards the Premier League talk the Ace of Milan rejuvenated Ace of Milan without Tonali we want to see your thoughts and don't forget to like episode 126 let's aim for more than 100 likes people come on Go bold go. and smash that like button. Thank you for listening to episode 126 until now. And thank you for going bold.